Welcome to Love Bonds, the podcast for those interested in learning more about romantic love, attachment, and infidelity. Now, here's your host, relationship and couple counselor, Terry DiMatteo. Welcome to Love Bonds, and thank you for joining me for this very special three-part series, From Trauma to Treatment, Healing Each Person in the Infidelity Triad, with my guest, Dr. Sarah Fagenbaum-Tesla. After completing medical school at St. George's University in 2011, Dr. Sarah Fagenbaum-Tesla attended a four-year psychiatry residency program at the State University of New York, SUNY, downstate in Brooklyn, and pursued additional training in the theory and practice of psychoanalysis at the Institute for Psychoanalytic Education in New York City. In 2016, she began working at the Hoboken University Medical Center as an outpatient psychiatrist in a variety of capacities. She served as the medical director at the Giant Steps Program, treating adults and adolescents suffering from mental illness and addiction. She also provided outpatient psychiatric care at their community mental health center and family medicine clinic. In 2019, she accepted a position at St. Clair's Hospital Outpatient Counseling Services in Morris Plains, New Jersey. Within months of starting her new position, the COVID-19 pandemic swept across the globe. At that point, she learned quickly that telepsychiatry could provide a much-needed tool to address the mental health crisis while protecting patients' physical health. In early 2023, she founded Integrative Psychiatric Services, which provides personalized psychiatric care throughout New Jersey via telehealth. She uses an integrative approach which combines modern medicine, talk therapy, lifestyle coaching, and complementary strategies. In addition to offering telehealth, she will start offering in-person visits in Montclair, New Jersey this summer. For more information, you can go to her website, www.njips.com. Let's get started. Welcome, Dr. Sarah Fagenbaum-Tesla. Thank you, Terry. Thank you so much for having me today. It's so nice to be with you. Thank you for joining me. I'm delighted to be doing this three-part series with you. It's truly my pleasure, Terry. I really believe that this is an important subject. I think you and I both have some views about it that are important to share with our listeners. So I'm really thrilled to be a part of this and to be doing this with you. Thank you, Terry. Oh, thank you. And we do have a unique take that I think will benefit our listeners. So, so let's get started. Uh, in this first episode of our three-part series, From Trauma to Treatment, Healing Each Person in the Infidelity Triad, you and I will be discussing the individual in the triad whose spouse or partner has intimately engaged with someone outside of the marriage or the committed relationship. This person is often referred to as the betrayed party or the injured party. Due to the betrayal this person experiences, they often suffer post-traumatic stress disorder, abbreviated PTSD, or specific to infidelity trauma, 
the not formally recognized post-infidelity stress disorder. Dr. Sarah, can you tell us about PTSD, its history and symptoms, and how it relates to PISD or post-infidelity stress disorder? Thanks, Terry. I'd be happy to. So PTSD, yeah, PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder is a relatively new term for a phenomenon that human beings have known about for a very long time. And that's the fact that exposure to a traumatic event can cause long-lasting distress. Mm. And for many centuries, this was brought home to people when soldiers would return from combat. And it was observed that they often had a great deal of difficulty readjusting to their civilian life after they had experienced the horrors of war. And over the years, this has taken on different terms. And you've probably heard terms such as shell shock and battle fatigue that were used to describe this syndrome of soldiers who couldn't seem to mentally leave the battlefield even after they had physically returned to their previous lives. Mm, it's interesting. We normally wouldn't think about this as related to infidelity. It seems like two worlds, right? <laughs> Not connected. It does seem quite unconnected. You're right about that, Terry. But the truth is that any life-threatening trauma can trigger the same symptoms. And those common mm-hmm. symptoms include re-experiencing the trauma. So mm-hmm. people often get a lot of unwanted memories. They get flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Even at night when they try to sleep, they're plagued by nightmares. These are all ways of re-experiencing that traumatic moment. People who've experienced trauma often struggle with avoidance. They mm. go out of their way to get rid of anything that might remind them or bring back thoughts, feelings, memories associated with the trauma. Mm. People who've had traumatic life experiences often go through negative changes in the way they think, the way they mm. feel. Uh, they can have an increase in the flight or fight response, causing them to feel angry and irritable, watchful and on guard, depressed, anxious, Mm. we can have sleep disturbances. And even though we had initially recognized this in soldiers, Mm. many people who have experienced varying types of traumas can relate to this. Mm. And People like ourselves who work with individuals who've had infidelity are very, very familiar with these symptoms in in individuals who've experienced betrayal trauma. Absolutely. Everything you're saying is right on point. I'm, I'm with you. I, I see examples of this in the office, of course, when couples or individuals whose partner uh, strayed experience these things, the triggers, the nightmares, the intrusive thoughts, all of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, officially, the American Psychiatric Association's uh, manual, the DSM or Diagnostic Mm -hmm. Statistical Manual, um, does require the trauma to have been of a life 
life-threatening nature in order Mm. for the individual to be diagnosed with PTSD. Mm. However, you know, as we've both said, those of us who work with individuals who've experienced betrayal trauma see the exact same symptoms, even though this may not have literally been a life-threatening event. It is Mm. in many ways threatening the person's primary relationship, their home, and their stability. And this is why the term post-infidelity stress disorder was coined um, originally Mm -hmm. by the psychologist Dennis Ortman, because Mm -hmm. he, like us, observed that people who've experienced betrayal have the exact same symptoms as those who have had life-threatening trauma. It's really quite remarkable, isn't it? It is. It really is. But I think as you as you consider it, as you consider mm-hmm. the, the shocking nature of betrayal, when somebody mm-hmm. is completely blindsided, when, yes. you know, the relationship that was their sanctuary, the home, yes. the life, everything, their identity, when everything is called into question, you can understand how absolutely destabilizing that experience is and why it, it does in some sense feel like a life-threatening trauma and why these individuals would have the very same symptoms of PTSD mm-hmm. as a soldier on the battlefield or, or somebody who had survived uh, rape, sexual abuse, or any other kind of life-threatening trauma. Yeah, you know, sometimes in a simple way, I explain this to clients in this way, and maybe you can tell me if I'm doing a good job explaining it or I'm off the mark here. But I I say that we all have stresses and strains in the day just going through modern life. There's frustrations, there are disappointments, we get anxious, we get worried, but they're all kind of within the normal range of stresses and strains of just living life. Uh, Nobody's escaped it throughout history, these kinds of... uh, strains on our system and on our psyche and this kind of thing but it becomes a trauma when it's too much to bear it kind of overwhelms the system that it's so dramatic it's beyond the normal uh, stresses and strains that we all experience would that be a reasonable way of saying it uh, in a simple way yes terry i couldn't agree more and and the fact is that these reactions all the things we just discussed the re-experiencing the avoidance mm-hmm the negative Mm. changes. These are also a normal reaction. This is your brain trying to protect you from trauma. But the problem is that when these things go into overdrive, they can cause people to experience significant distress. It can impair their functioning. And this is when professional treatment is required. Yeah, because people say, I don't know how to make it stop, how to stop it. (laughs) I need relief. How do I get relief? You know, I'm in such pain. It's overwhelming uh, pain. Absolutely. Absolutely. Debilitating. Yeah. Debilitating. That's exactly right. And the first line of treatment for this type of trauma is always therapy and the right kind of therapy. And and this is where I really want to turn to you, Terry, and ask, how do you work with couples recovering from infidelity trauma? Oh, thanks for asking, Sarah. Well, I'll, I'll piggyback or coattail on what you say. You're so right that it's it's really about a kind of survival. The romantic relationship is very much akin to the 
maternal infant bond and that we hear a lot of people talk these days about the partner being like the best friend you know like it's my best friend like a buddy <laughs> and I, I understand that the person's sort of saying I feel comfortable and relaxed I can be myself with my partner but it really is so much deeper than that it's really much more uh, akin to how a child or an infant is dependent upon the primary caretaker, often the, the mother essentially is what we're speaking about here. And adults kind of uh, shudder to think that it's that level of dependency on the partner. We like to think we're all grown up and self-sufficient. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We do. And I think it's really interesting that you make that point that the uh, romantic bond, the adult bond, in many ways parallels that maternal infant bond because it, it's your primary source of safety and security in a world that, that's often unsafe and uncertain. Correct. And it, the partner can serve as just like a, like a the, it serves a similar function as the primary caretaker or mother. It's it's protective in nature. Essentially, bonds protect. That is the main one of the main functions when you're bonded with someone you protect. For example, those of us who are mothers, uh, you and I. Mm -hmm. We have certain feelings about our children, of course, that are different to our feelings about like the neighbor's children or our friend's children. We might love and and, and, and enjoy and, and think our neighbor's children are cute and talented and we like them, but it's different with the bond with our own children. There has a protective layer. Absolutely. And it's it's the same with a couple, a couple that's powerfully bonded, that we would say has a secure connection, that bond protects. And so usually in those couples with a powerful bond, and um, well, let's just, let's just uh, back, I want to back up just a little bit. The bond in the mother-infant bond has a component to it that is you might say a bodily or physical. The baby, the infant uh, picks up on the scent of the mother, the mother's voice, the mother's skin. It has a physical or bodily component and the mother responds to the baby emotionally. So it has an emotional layer or realm and then it has a bodily component. If you transfer that notion to the adult relationship the adult relationship or the romantic relationship has a bodily component expressed through sexual intimacies and physical affection and an intimate uh, connection emotionally but you have to go kind of deep to make this powerful bond and when a couple is really engaging with each other deeply emotionally and physically through physical sexual intimacy they form a powerful bond and, and in those couples generally infidelity doesn't occur that's your protection against infidelity so when couples come to me in crisis, which they, I often get the calls, you know, like pretty immediately, like last week or two weeks ago, I discovered my spouse or partner's having an affair, they're in crisis. I, I know immediately it's, 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 it's pretty, um, pretty, I almost bank on this, I don't, don't want to say 100%, but close to 100% that something in their bond weakened prior to the act of infidelity. Are you with me there? You, 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 
You're with me here on this idea? Oh, yes, Terry. That makes complete sense that if the bond is secure, it serves as a protection against infidelity. But if there are things that weaken that bond, then it makes sense that, you know, that bond may be susceptible to to fracture in some way and that infidelity could be the result. Yes. So we often hear, I I hear other experts or read something about uh, the cause of infidelity or the reasons for infidelity. And a lot of people are quick to say things like, well, if you're happy, you you could be happy in your relationship. I'm doing air quotes here that you can't see happy in your relationship. Uh, The happy people cheat too, but it's much more than just happy. It's really about this deeper secure bond because that that deep bond keeps you safe in the same way that a mother would be protective of their children. You always see mothers rushing out, here comes a car, an unfamiliar dog's approaching and you pull the child and you you act protective. So in in infidelity, um, there's often been a crack in the bond that leaves one or both longing for either deeper emotional connection, or sexual intimacy, but it, it is the responsibility of both parties. It's a re, it's a relationship matter, in other words. When they come to me, uh, uh, to your question, I treat it like a relationship matter that needs a relationship restoration. They have to... They have to do it together. In fact, in session, I'm often saying, you have to do this together. You have to lean on each other through this. It's not just fixing one person. So I'm going to say, go, go, go fix him or go fix her and we'll be good. No, right. it's, it's a relationship matter. And because the trust and safety have been compromised, the couple really asks, are we going to survive this? Well, can we endure because other relationship matters, a couple fighting about money or the in-laws or making a move or switching jobs, they often don't question if the future of the relationship is at risk. They say we're fighting all the time or we're not getting along, we can't agree, but they know they're still a pair. That doesn't come into question. But infidelity... It's such a shock to the system going right to the foundation of trust and safety that it jeopardizes the entire relationship. And it requires, you know, affairs require lies and deception. They, they occur in secret, in the dark. And so one of the first moves in recovery when the couple comes to me is unpacking the affair. What happened? Taking those secret behind the back you know, hidden from the light of day occurrences and bringing them so that the the partner that didn't engage in the fair knows what's going on. But you, but you can't stay there too long. <laughs> you know, no. there is like, what happened? Who did happen? How did you feel? What was going on? There's a lot of questions and round and round with the focus on the affair. So that's, you might say that's part one, but a key question that I always ask uh, when, we're, when we're a little bit into the restoration process is what was occurring in your relationship prior to the affair? This question is really key, Dr. Sarah. What was happening prior to the infidelity? And 
almost always, <laughs> I'm tempted to say 100%, but not quite 100%, almost, people, couples will say, we weren't getting along, we were disconnected, uh, he was working all the time, uh, he was caring for my aging parent, we were living separate, we were disconnected, he was going out all the time. There's some, some form of disconnect, often expressed in a lot of uh, arguing or just feeling more separate, more alone. This is often the precursor to infidelity. So, of course, the uh, remedy, the restoration, includes restoring the bond and making it safe and trusting once again. This is a very tall order, by the way. Yes, it really must be a tall order. But, you know, it really all goes back to the bond. I, I noticed that word being used again and again, you know, that bond is so important in making people feel secure. When that bond becomes disrupted by day-to-day -day stress, people are vulnerable to seeking their needs outside of that couple bond. And that's when affairs can happen. Um, but going back to what you said, that from early infancy, these bonds with our mother and then later on these bonds with our partner are so important for making us feel secure. We can see why an infidelity trauma, why the rupture of that kind of yes. bond, that safety bond Yes. That special connection with another individual can be so dysregulating, so, so very stressful and traumatic. For really traumatic. And, and sometimes um, when I'm out socially, sometimes and people learn what I do. They, they're a little, they ask me a cheeky question, right? They say, what's your success rate? You know, when, when you work with couples, how many of them stay together? And I say to them, well, I can answer that question, but I don't think it's the right question. <laughs> you know, many of them stay together, but the bigger question, the better question is, has trust and safety been restored? That's really the objective, is to make it so that you feel safe, that it's kind of has a lightness to it, you're relaxed, you trust your partner, and that means you know with absolute certainty, without question, your partner loves and is loyal and devoted to you and only you. You can't be one of two. You have to be the one and only. Absolutely. And, and this... This is a this is key. Yeah. This is key. And I know you've you've kind of used this phrase when we've chatted like off <laughs> the air. But uh the this triangle, this triad is an unstable configuration that the bond really is between two and that the work therapy involves strengthening that bond. Yes. And so, uh, yes. So by very de definition, the triad or the three parties in the infidelity, the, the committed or married pair and the outside party, everyone in that triad is insecure. And that configuration simply doesn't work and is not sustainable. So folks like you and I can help help individuals and couples restore the safety, trust, the bond so that they feel stable and secure once again. So let me ask you, Sarah, uh, how do you work with patients who come to you with post-infidelity stress disorder? What's your approach? Yeah, well, thank you for asking, Terry. So the approach that I take with all patients, regardless of what 
what they present with. It's really a three-step plan. And the first step is always doing a very thorough assessment to be sure that we have the correct diagnosis, to be certain that we understand exactly what's going mm. on. And then that allows us to move to step two, which is coming up with a customized plan tailored to that individual and to their specific needs. And then finally, that takes us to step three, which is working together over the course of treatment, which may be weeks, it may be months, to execute that plan and help people to recover. Excellent. I, I love it. It sounds really great. And, and what we're describing here, what we're uh, discussing with the listeners is really, you might say, optimal care or ideal care, you know, the best, the, the, the best chances you have for recovery are these things. But as we both know, there are, there are obstacles to this optimal care, uh, things that are barriers to, to recovery. Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. There are so many. And I, I think as the psychiatrist, I can speak of the ones that I see most often. And I think when people do not receive the ideal care, there's mm. often uh, self-medication. You know, it's mm. our to, to look for ways to soothe ourselves. And these might not always be the mm. best ways. So what I see very frequently is people turning to things such as substances, alcohol, mm. other drugs to alleviate their suffering. Um, sometimes it's not necessarily substances. They may turn to other things like food and they may be develop things like binge eating disorders, mm. they may develop compulsive shopping and spending. Yes. So, so often when we don't receive the right care, we may look within ourselves for ways of soothing, which are not always ideal. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of uh, bundle these things into all kinds of escapist. Uh, they're in the, kind of in the escapist category, overspending, shopaholic, gambling, substance. And I might, I would probably put a fair in that too. A fair can be in the escapist right. bucket, let's Absolutely. say. It's so true, right? And then people end up, you know, internet gaming yeah. and all sorts exactly. of things. And, and that, that too can lead to affairs. So absolutely, all of this is sort of the escapism rather than confronting the problem. Yes. Let's try to run away from it. Let's try yes. to find other ways to soothe. And that in itself can just compound the damage. Of, it does. Of we see it when they come to us, how it's so compounded. The other thing that would also be an obstacle to care, I think, would be uh, poor advice from well-meaning friends and family. If, if friends and family do learn about the infidelity, and they don't always, uh, more often than not, the infidelity is often... Uh, just between the pair, and no, nobody knows. Sometimes everyone knows, the community knows, the gym knows, <laughs> the church knows, this temple knows, um, everyone knows, the neighbors know. I mean, these have layers of, of, of difficulty. This is often an optical to care when everyone has their opinion uh, about it. Um, and a lot of times uh, when uh, couples, if they turn to their friends, it can send shockwaves through the friend group because they start thinking, oh, it happened to them. It could happen right. to me. Right. 
you know, if, 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 if Ted did it, then, then maybe, maybe Tom will do it or something like this. And, and they speak from the, their own fears. And, and uh, sometimes friends give, you know, they, they, there's a common idea. If your partner or, or spouse cheats, well, that, that's a deal breaker. So the end, and a lot of single people say that. But once you're married and you have mortgages and kids and families and history, and you do love your partner, it's not it's not often that you just um, part ways upon discovery. Absolutely. So that that's a really good point that that well intentioned advice from people who, you know, may not be professionals can sometimes be much more harmful than it is helpful. And as a psychiatrist, I often see the well intentioned care coming from the primary care doctors. And ah. that's, yeah, that's not to diminish them by any means. I really do value my colleagues in primary care greatly. Yes. But sometimes when you go to see your primary care doctor and, you know, they're very busy taking care of a multitude of issues, mm. so blood pressure to your cholesterol, and you happen to mention to them that you're going through, you know, uh, a marital struggle and that you're very mm -hmm. stressed mm -hmm. out, they may want to quickly alleviate your distress by prescribing mm -hmm. some anti-anxiety medication that's fast acting. And I can give some examples that people may be familiar with. These are generally uh, what we call the mm -hmm. benzodiazepines. These are things yes. like mm -hmm. Xanax or Alprazolam, Clonopin, um, mm -hmm. also known as Clonazepam or Valium, mm -hmm. known as Diazepam. These, these medications do have their place. They are very rapid acting anti-anxiety medications. However, in terms of PTSD, these are not the ideal mm. medication. They, uh. Yes, they, they actually can, in fact, worsen some of the symptoms of PTSD that we're trying to treat. So, for example, one of the symptoms of PTSD is something we call dissociation. It's this sense that... Uh, I am not real, or this is not really happening. Yeah, 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 association. Yeah. And yeah. studies have shown that that can actually be worsened by these benzodiazepine oh, medications. I so mm. sometimes well-intentioned medications from professionals who are not specialized in this area may in fact worsen the problem and only provide short-term relief, but actually not really be a long-term solution. That is unfortunate, but very common. Yeah, and people don't know. They, they, they don't even know that they're not getting the best care. They just think, okay, I tried. I mean, on my side, I, I hear clients say, I tried meds. It didn't work. It didn't yes. work. I felt exactly. worse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I went to my doctor. You know, this, I do, I do hear it. I can, vel I can attest to what you're saying. It's, you're right on point. So it's really important to have a psychiatrist such as yourself who's familiar with this particular uh, pain, the post-infidelity stress disorder, and get the right medications for that ailment. Absolutely. And again, you know, just to go back to the point that we'd made before and to stress that when it comes to PTSD, therapy is the first line of treatment. However, yes. sometimes people's symptoms are so severe that it is yes. disrupting their life. And I think yes. Tara, you've probably seen that when symptoms yes. become extremely severe, it can prevent them from engaging in the work of therapy. Correct. Right? Yes. When Absolutely. someone is 
yeah, constantly being bombarded by flashbacks and memories and nightmares. It can prevent the work that needs to be done to restore that bond. And that's when professional care, the right kind of care, the appropriate types of medication may be a helpful adjunct to the therapy in terms of recovery. Yes, and I'm so glad you offer that free 15-minute consultation. So when I when I refer folks to you, they can have a meeting with you and, and talk about how it might be helpful. Yes, definitely. So before we ever have that first assessment, we'll always offer a free 15-minute consultation. It's an opportunity for a potential patient to tell me a little bit about themselves and mm-hmm. their particular situation and, and for me to tell them what I may be able to offer. And for us to both determine whether this is a good fit before we proceed with treatment. Yes, and alleviate some of their fears and concerns, because I do say to them that the new generation of medicines are really quite, quite uh, good at targeting what needs to be targeted. It's not like the the old days when you be, <laughs> when it made you a little uh, disconnected from life, tired, these kinds of things. They've been eliminated with the newer, the newer uh, medicines. Is that right? Well, I may not go so far as to say eliminate, okay. but I, I would say yes. Okay. Generally, nowadays, uh, we use classes of medications such as the SSRIs or S. NRIs and people may be familiar with names like Prozac, which is fluoxetine, yeah. Zoloft, which is sertraline, uh, Effexor, which is venlafaxine. These are medications that we consider first line. If you have PTSD symptoms, they're generally well tolerated. They've been supported by data that shows mm-hmm. that they can reduce those symptoms and that they may be a very helpful adjunct to therapy in helping people recover from PTSD. Great. I'm going to keep that in mind. Thank you. And, you know, I, I appreciate what you said about the, you know, family doctor or the general medical doctor prescribing meds in a, in a, in a similar way. I uh, sometimes get um, patients, uh, clients come to me, pairs saying that they went to another therapist who really didn't quite grasp the concept of infidelity or infidelity recovery, a generalist similar to the family doctor, a parallel, uh, who has a theoretical framework or is using the wrong tools can often, uh, you know, nominally help, sometimes actually harm to be quite candid, because they might use a more cognitive or intellectual approach, when really the matter of infidelity is relational, and emotion, deeply emotional, so personal. I mean, it. Uh, a lot of therapists actually don't 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 like working with infidelity because it's so messy, and the emotions are so strong. I mean, the it can get quite uh, heated and and um, uh, quite emotional display in in the counseling office because it's it's so passionate, you know. Um, and some therapists are uncomfortable with that or, or don't know what to do or or. Uh, yeah, or sometimes it gets so so um, taken with the pain of the uh, person who did not have the affair that they can lose sight of the bigger picture of the relationship or don't have, I think the, the bond perspective is, is very um, critical to look at the, it through the lens of a relational bond. I, I have found that get, that's what... Uh, delivers good results in, in the patients in my care. So, so you, likewise, you also want to have a therapist that is adept 
uh, trained, uh, skilled in, in working on a fair recovery. That makes a lot of sense, Terry. I think you're, re- you're really right. I think so many of us, because we are in relationships ourselves, may have biases about the person who has committed the affair. I think just the way that society portrays it, the media portrays affairs, there is a tendency to side with the person who's been betrayed and go against the person who committed the infidelity and not see it, you know, as you do, as a bond issue, as, uh, you know, there was a bond rupture here. And that bond, that emotional connection is what needs to be restored. So I think really, Terry, I, I couldn't agree with you more that not only do people need professional treatment, but the right treatment from people who are trained and experienced in this potentially messy issue of but but one from which people truly can heal and I think that's something that I always want to remind people that that any kind of trauma and including infidelity um you know with the right kind of treatment people can heal and they can go on to not only be resilient and and bounce back from it, but they might actually experience intense growth in their lives and find themselves in an even better place than they were prior to the trauma. Yeah, you know, I'm so glad you said that. Just put a little asterisk on that. We never recommend this. This is never a recommended form of growth, but sometimes a silver lining can be a stronger union than pre-infidelity. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. We would never go so far as to recommend it. The pain and trauma and, and uh, awfulness of it all would never be a recommendation. However, it, it, to go back to what I said earlier, when you go back to what what in your relationship set the groundwork, let the, left the ground vulnerable for an infidelity um, situation to occur, that can often be quite powerful. They said, and sometimes people say, we've never been closer. We grew closer as a result of this. Um, it's, but you cannot guarantee that, but that that is an outcome of this. Also, people become stronger. Um, they, they've gone through something and they've come out on the other side with greater insights. They sometimes say, I never knew this about you. I, I, I learned new things about you. It can be it, it can. Um, there can be growth, but um, it's not a recommended path. It's a little, a little, a little dicey to, to be clear about this. Yeah, that's true. We certainly never recommend affairs as a way no. of healing, but the reality is that they are common. They do happen and that this can be an opportunity for growth, not only for the individual, but also for the couple. Yes, definitely. And, and, and one indication would be uh, that it's lighter. You know, when, when there's infidelity, everything gets very heavy and tense and every word gets watched. But when, when lightness and fun, you start to relax, that would be a good ind- indication that things are starting to restore. And you do see that sometimes, Terry, that a couple that was at odds, that was battling, that had been really deeply damaged and wounded by infidelity can go back to being lighthearted and happy and maybe even regain some of the the fun and happiness that they had not had even for years prior to the infidelity trauma. Yes, because the yes, because the key one of the key things is going back to what was the state of the relationship prior to the infidelity that left them vulnerable. When that gets addressed, now we have 
full recovery. In fact, sometimes I think uh, my colleagues, other therapists, uh, ignore that part and stay focused only on the affair piece. I think it's important to add that other piece for full recovery. And I would imagine that strengthening that bond can protect the couple against future infidelity as well. Definitely. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I would like to say one more thing before we wrap up here. A lot of times uh, in later stages of recovery, when we're, we're, we're a little further along, sometimes the person who was traumatized, the one we're speaking about today, the one who did not engage in infidelity, can sometimes sit back like um, a little bit uh, like a passive observer and look at the one who engaged in the infidelity and sort of said, well, you're being tested. Are you going to be good? <laughs> Are you going to do this again? Can I trust you to basically behave, right? To, to, to not do this again. But I always, I always step in at that juncture and say, well, it, it, you have to do this together. And so uh, your role is to help make it safe and secure too and meet each other's needs so that uh, together you're emotionally and sexually bonded. That's your best protection against this ever happening again. It's not just on the one individual who, who engaged. It, it's really the couple has to restore. And so since both people are in the relationship, it's the responsibility and contribution of both. Absolutely. And I'm sure both individuals have to do a lot of work to get themselves better and to heal that relationship. It's not a one-sided thing. Not a one-sided thing. I think that would be a key point for today. So um, did you want to add anything more before we conclude this episode? No, Terry, I think we've covered all of the points that I was hoping to cover today. I really think that we've made the point that infidelity is a bond rupture, that, yeah. that bond is essential for couples and individuals within that couple to feel stable and secure. And that when that bond fractures, it can create a trauma akin to PTSD and that people who are experiencing betrayal trauma can have the very same symptoms of PTSD and require professional treatment and not just any kind of treatment, but treatment from individuals who are skilled in working with infidelity as it can be a potentially messy thing. Yes, um, but also a opportunity for tremendous growth, both for the individual and for couples and to heal and to prevent future infidelity. Absolutely. And I'll just say one more thing before we conclude. One of the, when we spoke about the challenges, one of the challenges in healing from this is the nature of the secret nature of it. In other words, when your example of the soldiers in combat or other kinds of uh, traumas, people can get a lot of support from their friends, family, and community. But one of the major challenges is uh, the secret nature of infidelity makes it very hard to get that kind of support, which makes it so that folks like you and I offer professional care become paramount. Absolutely. That's so true. And that the secrecy in itself can add layers of complication to it. Or when the secret gets out into the community, that too can, can come with its own problems. So yeah, I think you've made some good points today, Terry. Oh, th thank you so much. And you. So, so Dr. Sarah, I thank you so much for your insightful contributions to this important series. Would you be uh, so kind as to share with our listeners 
how they can find you online, contact you and learn more about your services? Absolutely. So my listeners out there can find me online at www.njips.com or they can email me directly at info at njips.com. They can schedule their free 15-minute consultation to speak with me, see if we're a good fit and hopefully begin treatment. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And thanks for lis- to listeners for tuning in today. So this concludes the first episode of this three-part series, From Trauma to Treatment, Healing Each Person in the Infidelity Triad with Dr. Sarah Kagan-Baum-Tesla. There are two more episodes in the series. In the next episode, Dr. Sarah and I will common experiences and emotional struggles of the person who engaged in the intimate connection outside of the marriage or committed relationship. And I look forward to doing that episode with you. (laughs) Thank you, Terry. I'm very much looking forward to it too. Thank you so much for having me today. And I can't wait for the next episode of our three-part series. Thank you for listening to the Love Bonds Podcast with Terry DiMatteo. Subscribe to Love Bonds on iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon Music to catch the next episode.